I've been walking around for several days now, and the smoke won't let up. Everyone around me has succumbed to the Garlaxian sleeping sickness, and I, alone, must travel back to Earth and save humanity. One last time I will venture into the Venusian forest where my beautiful warrior mistress, Artemis of the Hunt, is waiting for me. Lustfully, um, she... What, what? What are you reading? Is that sci-fi erotica? Literotica? <clears throat> uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> We're recording. Oh, uh, one, one moment... Hello, lovely listeners! We are back at it again, bringing you Burnt OJ to get you turned on a slow day. Hate to break it to you, but we're the same hosts as last time. You're stuck with us, and I am not Sarah. And I'm not Chandler. And this is Burnt Orange Juice, bringing you the lowdown on everything burnt, oranger than you, brother, and juicy. That's the podcast. But before we get into all that, we're going to kick things off with a sketch. And when we come back, we'll ask, maybe it's Maybelline, or maybe it's methamphetamine. How are the Thetas staying so fit this year? Okay, Longhorns, it's a beautiful day to play some music at one of the finest learning institutions in the world. Let's start with the sheet music on page 24 of your songbook. Everyone there? Great. I'm going to beat off a few measures. (laughs) Hey, keep it down. All right, stop, stop, stop. Something doesn't sound right. Saxophones, you guys are sounding washed out. You're not blowing correctly. Try it again. Ah, I know. Okay, you guys are using too much spit. Come on, this is basic blowing technique. (laughs) Saxophones, cradle the horn and blow it again. Stop! You're covering up the tone. Stop with the spit and suck it out. (laughs) All right. Let's try again, woodwinds only. Please give me a nice, energetic D. (laughs) Guys, quiet down. Okay, I need that D, please. Good. Better. All right, let me hear the brass. I love that big, beautiful brass. I've always been a brass band myself. (laughs) Now, strings, you're going to come in and finger a minor. Uh, A minor. (laughs) Guys, what is so funny? Is there something going on back there? Someone tell a good joke? Or is it one of those meme things on your phones? Someone tell me. Come on, I like a good joke. Okay, fine. Wind instruments, go again. Give me a nice... Hard blow. Strings, make sure you're fingering the A correctly. Yes! Keep tonguing! You're almost there! Come on now! Okay, guys, everyone start again. Let's go back to 69. Let's keep the blows long, the sounds loud, and our wood pieces lubricated. Everyone make sure you're tuned. And when in doubt, pull out. (laughs) They call you hornsy teens, right? Let's hear those horns. Remember to finger that F hole. Keep the A hole closed. (laughs) Show me that G string. Finger, tongue, and blow all at the same time. Hey, you. Make sure you're using all three fingers. Yes. 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 Ah, I really needed that. How was it for you guys? Oh, my shirt was untucked. 
No wonder you guys were laughing so much. <laughs> you kids. Wow. That sketch was almost as good as my little erotica. <laughs> Coming in Bert today is the commercial graveyard and petri dish of pestilence, the drag. We've received reports that the cursed spot known as Guadalupe 2530 has yet again become a new restaurant. But at least it's not another Mediterranean one. Uh, the restaurant formerly known as Bert's Kebab, then just Bert's, Noon, Daphne's, and finally Mezami, now has a new sign. It's officially Moody's. Apparently they serve pizza and wings. So uh, who wants to take bets for how long this one will last? I'm going to go with five months. How long do you want to bet, Chandler? Yeah, I'll give it like a semester. Can we talk about how fucked the drag can be sometimes? Yep. And it's not confined to only that spot, although that spot is especially cursed. Uh, the drag itself is a Venus flytrap where small businesses go to die. Let's take a moment and pour out a little for our fallen homies. Fuzzies, Mujo, Miltos, Jamba Juice, Ty How Are You, Rise Biscuits and Gravy, Dainty Hooligan, Dawn Japanese Kitchen, Kismet, Fat Sal's, Pita Pit, American Apparel, Veggie Heaven, and uh, for the real veterans of the War on Guad, Mellow Mushroom and Texadelphia. As Vishnu Santosh on the Hornsey meme page put it, what starts here goes out of business. Uh, someone actually made a bingo card for guessing which Guad businesses would go out of business. Fun! Uh, personally, the real hard hitters there for me are Mujo and Ty How Are You? For me, it's Veggie Heaven. Yeah, I used to get uh, green tea ice cream and fried sushi with eel sauce. And I used to get ice cream cookie sandwiches from Mujo, and I'd sit in the little swings, and I'd play the arcade games in there. I had dates at those places, but now they're as dead as my love life. And of course, that doesn't even cover the literal fear of walking down the drag either. Uh, for our listeners who might be wondering just when the drag is the most dangerous, try uh, two in the afternoon in broad damn daylight. I swear to God, I have walked past human shit on that street. I mean, I live on a co-op on the drag, so it's like my daily routine. You know, walk to Target, trying not to get into a fight at 7-Eleven, shit like that, no pun intended. I mean, the second day I moved to the drag, there was a guy on the sidewalk just screaming at folks, you know? He's just running up at people saying like, I'll cut you! <laughs> the whole thing actually made the news, surprisingly. Most of the homeless people are pretty nice, though. I'm more afraid of the evangelists who come up to me and give me pictures of Jesus. So occasionally you do get the ones who blow through and are just yelling obscenities at the top of their lungs. Or people who aren't even homeless who yell gayslers out their window as their car rolls by. You know, one time I saw a lady on her phone driving and she almost hit a girl crossing the crosswalk. And the, the walk sign was on, mind you. And then she proceeded to cuss the girl out for walking when the walk sign was on. Like, what? Uh, also, it's funny you mentioned the Target. Every time I'm in that Target, I'm afraid I'm going to get caught up in a robbery. Always getting those notifications from Campus Watch that there's a robbery there. Remember when they used to always rob Subway? Good times. Yeah, and uh, what heavy-duty equipment do you think you need to rob that target? Yeah, try uh, just a plastic knife and a barely legible note. <laughs> dude, we used to get texts like every month that that place was robbed. Oh, dude, I, I, okay, so I remember this one time I saw just like a hand of bananas on the sidewalk at the co-op. Okay, hand of bananas, owner in sight. <laughs> Wait, 
wait, wait, wait. Hold on. A hand? <laughs> a, a hand of bananas? Is that a unit of, of bananas? Do you mean a bunch? No, I mean a hand. I have never heard that in my life. Fucking God. It's called a hand of bananas. Okay. 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 So according to the San Diego Zoo, <laughs> a single banana is called a finger. <laughs> a grouping of attached fingers make up a hand. Suck it, Sarah. A hand of bananas. Multiple hands that grow in a cluster are called a bunch or a stalk. A bunch of bananas may contain three to 20 hands. You want a finger? <laughs> Who's going to say a finger for a single banana? Appetizing. Anyways, hand, hand of bananas on the sidewalk. And then I see uh, like a man walk up. He's just determined. He locks in on those bananas. He walks up to them, grabs them, you know, claims ownership of said fruit. And then he takes them off one by one and just starts pelting them into the crowd of students. (laughs) Like, until you see a stranger eating fruit at teenagers, can you really call yourself a longhorn? The answer is no. Hey, uh, did I ever tell you about the creepy guy who hit on me on a Cap Metro bus when I was heading home from a comedy gig? No. Well, (laughs) you're in for a treat. So he was sitting across from me on the bus and he kept pulling out these like dollar store type items from his giant pant legs. Like he asked me if I wanted to buy a keychain, which had just been in his pants. And I said, no, thanks. Then he moved to sit directly next to me, even though there were lots of empty seats everywhere else. And he asked me, what school do I go to? And then he goes, how old are you? About 18? <laughs> First of all, ew. Worst way you could ask that. Um, and then he asks about like seeing me around somewhere. And then to seal the deal, he pulls out four mini Milky Ways, also from his pants. And I was like, no, that's okay. And then he proceeds to just drop them onto me instead. And uh, he told me I looked like Jessica Simpson, which I do not. And uh, so I'm just sitting there awkwardly holding the Milky Ways until my stop. And I like make eye contact with this girl at the front of the bus who looks at me knowingly because this guy is being creepy, but she's just glad that it's not her. And then finally I get to my stop and the dude, of course, also gets off at my stop. But uh, fortunately, he was slowed down by his oversized pants with all his dollar store trinkets just falling out of them. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I just uh, speed walked home as fast as I could. This podcast brought to you by Mace Pepper Spray. Wear it at all times. Do you have anything you want to say in response? It sounded like you were in a treat, (laughs) you know, because of the Milky Ways. Yep. (laughs) Uh, in other news, uh, one time I saw some pigeons eating human vomit by the target. Jesus fucking Christ, Sarah. That Okay, please uh, forgive our co-host. She almost went to A&M, where shit like that is funny. Sorry, creepy people just remind me of human vomit. Good point. <laughs> also, not true. Uh, I did go on a tour of A&M, though, but I was pretty turned off by how Marine Corps and culty it was. I was worried they were going to break out the Kool-Aid at the end of the tour. Also, how the fuck is Ken's Donut still open? Like, okay, don't get me wrong. That's my safe space. But how the fuck does it stay open? I, I don't think I've ever seen that place busy, first off. And uh, they sell donuts for like a quarter over there. Can you say drug front? Yeah. I mean, what kind of business model are they working with over there? You, you can come in. Okay. Anytime. 
coffee machine is broke. Uh, if you want donuts, they got like five, you know, not five types, just five donuts. <laughs> uh, you want pizza? Sure. How about Indian food? Because nothing says, I want to get fucked up, bro, than like spicy curry and samosas at three in the morning. I mean, you have to be drunk to go there, probably drunk to work there, and most certainly fucked up to uh, design that menu. Yeah, their illicit menu is way more organized. Quite lovely, actually. You know, uh, with Gua, the apartment leasing and phone company storefront seem to be doing okay, though. We may not have anywhere to eat except 7-Eleven, but... Who needs to eat anything besides day-old cheesy beef taquitos, cigarettes, and Slurpees anyway? Um, all jokes aside, if the capricious gods that preside over Guad ever take Einstein bagels, I will be holding an in-depth memorial service. Knock on wood, okay? I lived on Einstein bagels for the four years I was at UT. Used to be $6 bagels on Mondays, then it became 7 but for 13 bagels, it's a steal. I'm not sure it was great for my waistline, but I will never regret those bagels. And that about wraps it up for the Burton section. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Do you like cats? My name's Carl Jacobson, and I work at the Cat Emporium, where we have a very special treat for you guys today. It's an album called, no, that's what I call cats. It's just 36 hours of cats meowing. It's an album you can take anywhere you want. You can listen to it anytime. It's just cats meowing. You can listen to it at school or work or if you got financial issues or if your girlfriend's leaving you because of your cat obsession. Anytime you want to, you can listen to our cats. We got all kinds of cats down here. We got big cats, little cats, small cats, tall cats, long cats, short cats, cats. Cat, cat, get yours today. Thank you to our sponsor. Jesus Christ, they will make an album out of anything these days. Didn't you buy a few copies? Yeah, uh, like as a, like as a joke. I don't like listen to them or anything. Multiple, as a joke, a joke one for your car, your bedroom, your kitchen radio, to not listen to. You know, you could have just gotten the free copies that they gave us. Did you already take those too? So, <laughs> for Orange today, we've got a juicy interview with a bona fide rocket scientist. That we do. Let's take a listen to that now. Hi, Larissa. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, let's start with a few basic questions. Can you tell us your full name and your major? Uh, my name is Larissa Liberty. I'm majoring in mechanical engineering. I used to be majoring in geology as well, though. Okay. And you're a student at the University of Texas, is this correct? Mm-hmm. What year are you? This is my fifth year, actually. So can you go into uh, more detail about your major or what exactly do you do? So mechanical engineering is probably the broadest of all the engineering majors. Mm -hmm. From a mechanical engineering major, you can step into kind of whatever field you want to. So it's a really good like jumping off point for someone who knows they like engineering, they know they like science, or they don't know what they want to do yet. Mm -hmm. um, for me specifically, I did that major because I wanted to do sustainable energy engineering. Mm -hmm. So like uh, solar panels, wind turbines, you know, geothermal, all that kind of stuff. That was like, that was my jam. That's why I went to college in the first place. That was like what I wanted to do. And I really loved it all the way up until I, I actually did it. And then I didn't love it so much anymore. Yeah. I still think it's super duper important and it's really cool. It's just not what I'm passionate about. So what, uh, what are you passionate about? What are you doing now? 
Um, space exploration. I really love space. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably like the most fascinating thing out there. There's just so much that we don't know, and there's so much that I want to know. So it's a really good um, ground for innovation and for learning. So didn't you say that you worked in a rocket lab? I do. I work for the Texas Rocket Engineering Lab. So would that make you a rocket scientist? Um, so no, not really. Um, <laughs> What's the distinction? Well, I do systems engineering for for Trell, which is what we call the Texas Rocket Engineering Lab. Mm -hmm. But for Boeing, I actually worked with the commercial airplane side of things. So I did jet engines instead of rocket engines. Mm -hmm. So I'm not on the propulsion team or anything like that. I don't actually deal with uh, the rocket science part of it. Mm -hmm. In systems engineering, it's a lot more administrative. It's very high level stuff. So you deal with a lot of like requirements, um, mass budgeting, volume budgeting, a lot of integration stuff. So I'm the one who makes sure that all the teams are communicating with each other and we're all working on the same rocket instead of like 50 different rocket designs, if that makes sense. So can you tell me a bit more about the, uh, the project as a whole? Yeah, so it's part of the Base 11 Space Challenge, mm -hmm. which is a challenge to become the first collegiate team to send a liquid-propelled rocket um, to the Carmen line. It, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's either Carmen or Carmon, something like that. It's 100 kilometers up into the atmosphere. So it's the line between... Um, outer space and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So technically we're trying to launch a rocket to space, basically. Oh, and we're trying to become the first collegiate team to do so. Mm -hmm. And our rocket design is actually the most complex out of all of the designs that are being entered in the competition. So it's a very ambitious project. <clears throat> so in the, the project, you said that there are various teams. I mean, how, how does the project as a whole work? You know, what, uh, what kind of teams are there? Can you talk about those? Yeah, we have three big teams. We have the design team, we have the test and launch operations team, and we have the business team. So the business team is kind of self-explanatory. They do a lot of stuff with um, like sponsorships, finding out where our funding goes, tracking all of the budgeting, uh, that kind of stuff. The design team is also a little self-explanatory. We do all of the design work for the rocket. So... Um, laying out the blueprints of how it needs to be built, doing all the calculations, that sort of stuff. Whereas the test and launch operations team, they do all of the manufacturing and all the testing of the different parts. So like hot fire test, um, that's something that they've been working on recently. And then within those teams, there are sub teams. There's a bunch of different sub teams that all do different components of the rocket. So like we have a structures team that works on kind of like the outer shell of the rocket. Any of like those those solid parts that you have to deal with, they're the ones you have to figure out, okay, like how do we build that? How do we make sure that it's structurally, um, like its structural integrity is strong enough that when we launch it, it's not just gonna crack and, and break into a million little pieces, things like that. Um, we have hardware, software, and um, guidance, navigation, and control, all within the avionics and GNC group. Mm -hmm. um, we have my team, which is a systems integration team that kind of makes sure that everything flows together harmoniously. Um, there's propulsion, recovery, payloads, and then there's fluids. So how do all those different teams uh, work together? You know what I mean? Do those teams kind of take on like a collective personality? And if so, what's that like? 
So there's kind of like a, a different personality for each sub team, depending on what they do. It tends to attract like a slightly different kind of person. But for the most part, everybody who's in Trell is there because they love space and they love the idea of building a rocket. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very enticing thing when someone tells you like, hey, do you want to come build a rocket with me? You don't turn them down, you know. We have about 170 members, and everyone's just really excited and really passionate and very driven. So in terms of yourself right, and your identity, what parts would you say you know, coexist or are contrasted you know, by your environment specific? Um, I think it's definitely interesting being one of the only women in the field that I'm going into. Aerospace engineering is very, very male-dominated. Um, so it's always a little bit intimidating kind of walking into a room and knowing that you're probably the only girl there and you're probably the youngest person in the room mm -hmm. as well. So it's kind of something I've had to learn to deal with over the years, um, like imposter syndrome, all that kind of stuff. I think it's something that's very common for female engineers, but um, one of the things that really helped me this summer was just interning for Boeing. I talked to the VP and chief engineer of Boeing Space and Launch, mm -hmm. so she's the one who like oversees all the SLS stuff, all the Starliner stuff, you know, all the satellite stuff, everything that Boeing does in space. Like she, she has a hand in that, mm -hmm. and she's also like a short, bubbly, blonde woman just like I am and I was like okay if she can do this and you know still be herself then I can do it too so tell me a little bit more about your time at Boeing um what specifically so what um you know what kind of skills did you learn there um you know in terms of how that shaped your outlook for your field right given uh you know the um I'm gonna say you know, demographic homogeny, right, of your, of your field is that you said it was male dominated, you know. Mm -hmm. So at your, you know, at your time in Boeing, did you, did you see anything or, you know, did, were you exposed to anything in Boeing that made you say like, well, I know this is a male dominated field, but I'm going to continue to do this anyways because of why? You kind of learn something new every day, especially when you're in the aerospace industry. There are so many innovations that are constantly being made and constantly being pushed out. So many things in manufacturing and design. And there's there's just always something new on the horizon that you have to keep your eyes peeled for. So in Boeing um, specifically, I can't really speak for other companies, but I'm, I'm sure it's the same there. They're always looking for the next big innovation, the next big thing. And you're expected to be part of that, which is a really cool feeling. Even as an intern, there's this culture that um, you're, you're a part of something bigger than you. You're a part of really amazing engineering feats because mm -hmm. planes, like planes are complicated. <laughs> I didn't realize how complicated they were until I started working on them. Um, this was actually my second internship with Boeing. The first time I did electrical integration, mm -hmm. which was like kind of a little bit over my head at first because I am a mechanical engineer, not an electrical engineer. So I had to learn about like the really complex wiring systems in the cabin. And from there, I moved on to um, propulsion engineering, which is dealing a lot with the engines of the plane yeah. um, and the engine systems. And there's just so much that goes on, so many things you have to take into consideration. You're always learning something new, which is really important to me, that continuous learning aspect of things. So 
that really kind of cemented my um, my my kind of dream of going into the aerospace field. So, were you? I mean, were you selected for these fields? Did you? Did you? Um, you know, get into these? I mean, how did you? You know, start as a not rocket uh, jet whatever whatever kind of scientist you are. How did you get started <laughs> on that? Um. So, I kind of fell into my roles both at Boeing and at Trell um, just by chance. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew someone, I was working on a project with somebody who was at the time the director of operations for, um, for Trell. Mm -hmm. And just based on how I work and how I think about things, they knew they needed somebody who was going to be um, in a leadership position mm -hmm. in the organization. And they knew they needed to have a really good systems mindset and be able to integrate different physical structures within the rocket. Okay. And so he kind of picked me out of the group and was like, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. I want you to come in for an interview. We'll just kind of see how you do, see if you're interested. And from there, I was like immediately hooked. I was like, okay, this is something that I really want to do. Um, I'm really, really interested in this. And they, I guess they liked you from the interview because they gave me the position. <laughs> and the same sort of thing happened with Boeing, actually. I walked into a kind of corporate um, event at a conference, just like on a whim. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll go visit Boeing. Like, there's no reason not to. I I don't know if I'm really interested in them or not. I'll just go talk to them. And I sat down for a conversation with somebody and we talked for like an hour and they were like, hey, I want to interview you like tomorrow morning. Like, is that okay? And I was like, of course that's okay. Like, that's amazing. And um, after the interview, which was just like a really good conversation. It didn't even feel like an interview, really. It just felt like me talking about my experiences. Um, we had a really good time, and then they offered me the job the next day. So it definitely sounds to me like uh, you know, you're very interested like, in your work. Um, I know Boeing is located in Seattle, and you know, from other conversations we've had, uh, I know you can't get enough of Seattle, mm -hmm. which I don't blame you. Um, and then again, though, I want to, you know, I want to circle back to something to you know, people who might be listening to this interview and, um, you know, a couple of steps behind you in that field, right? Um, you know, you mentioned that, again, that like your work is, um, you know, is male dominated and incredibly complicated. Uh, I could, you know, like you said, uh, what, what was it? Mechanical engineering and electrical engineering. And in my head, I'm saying, what's the difference? I know there's a big one. Oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't tell which one would be, like, you know what I mean? I can't tell which where, where the difference is. The point being, though, right, is that with all of these you know, complications with, you know, being in a, like a demographically homogenous uh, work field, being a field that's uh, both, like, nuanced and incessantly complicated, like, what, you know, what compels you to stay in that field? Why? Why do you do what you do? I think it really is that continuous learning aspect I used to stay awake at night just thinking about space and thinking about everything that was out there and how much I wanted to to know everything about everything. And this is the perfect field to kind of satiate some of that curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think if you are a very curious person, engineering in general is kind of one of the, the best ways to go because you're constantly creating things to satiate your curiosity, to, to learn more to develop new products and new methods and new ways of thinking that 
will help you discover new things. Um, so that's really that's really enticing to me. There's always something different on the horizon, and there's always something new that you can discover. And anybody can do it. Like I, I have like a very firm belief that anybody can be an engineer. You don't have to be traditionally like a math person. I was never very good at math growing up. I was always like an English person. It was always really hard for me to understand math, but I'm still in this field. You know, I'm still doing what I'm doing. You might have to work a little bit harder than other people because it might not come as naturally to you, but it's something that anybody can do no matter what your identity is or whether you were like a math whiz as a child. Um, if you're interested in learning and you have that drive and you're willing to work hard, you can do it. So I, uh, I want to thank you for coming down. I want to thank you for answering all of our questions. And I really, really appreciated having you. So thank you for coming down. Yeah, of course. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Welcome back. That interview was <laughs> out of this world. It's funny because I wrote that line and I made him say it. We're going to end with a tale from our favorite Midwesterners, a lovely couple who thought owning a store on Guad would be right for them. Hey there, kiddo. Just calling from our grand opening day of our brand new snow globe emporium. Tried to send you a Facebook message, but I guess you accidentally unfriended me again. I know you suggested me and your mom don't go down to Texas to open up a business, but we just could not resist the Lone Star State. We got a great deal in the store, too. It's right next to that uh, University of Texas. Maybe we'll meet that uh, Matthew McCulley Culkin. Oh, and we're right next to a church, too, so you know we're in good hands. And, uh, Barb. 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 What's the church called, Barb? Oh, yeah, it's the, uh, the Church of Science Ecology. There we go. Yeah, so, you know, we always said the church and school belong together. Uh, you know, our, our, our landlord wouldn't tell us how much the rent was, but he assured us that it was super cheap for the area. So, you know, you know me and your mom, we could never pass up a good bargain. Gosh darn, we are excited. I mean, they don't even get snow in Texas. So, you know, everybody will have use for a snow globe. Anyways, probably going to sell out on our first week. The next time we talk, I just know we're going to have great news. Hey, kids. Okay, so uh, we don't really have too much great news at the moment. Uh, you know, it turns out our, our rent is actually $10,000 a month. <laughs> I told that joker of a landlord that he had got to be friggin' kidding me. And he said everywhere else was $20,000 a month. I said, we're selling our snow globes here at $5 a pop. You know, we always dreamed of selling quality snow globes at very reasonable prices. Christ, I just don't know how we're going to make it. I, I, I mean, we're, we're just going to have to work real hard, you know. We're, we'll, we'll pull through just like Grandpa always did. Hope he's doing okay. Be sure to check on him at the hospital, okay, kids? And uh, give your old man a call every now and again. Hey, kids. I know we're all upset that Grandpa passed. Could you give us a call, though? I take it you guys might still be mad because we didn't give him a funeral or anything, but you know he would have wanted us to pay our rent instead. And I guess you might be kind of angry that we put his ashes in a snow globe, but, you know, we're a snow globing family, and that's just what we do. Yeah, I, I know he told us specifically not to do that, and you kids said that was, um... Barb, what did the kids say? Oh, oh yeah, cruel and deranged. But, you, you know, we just gotta follow our hearts and keep pushing on, you know? I mean, what are we without our family traditions?
Oh, also, we had a break-in. Did, did Mom tell you that? Yeah, we got them on camera. They, they just busted and looked around a whole bunch, but they never actually ended up taking anything. Isn't that the darndest thing? I mean, why wouldn't they want to steal premium snow globes? Everyone back home loved Mom's big old globes. Both Jimmy, Patrick, and Steve from the football team even said that in her yearbook. They all wrote the same line. We love Barb's globes. I gotta be honest, though. We're not doing too hot with the sales and everything. Really, the only people who came in are them homeless folks. Nice enough, I guess, but they just don't smell too great. Christ, don't tell your mom I said that. Anywho, we love you. So, you know, maybe, maybe give us a call or something. You know, maybe one of them uh, texts, you know. Love ya. Hey, kids. We haven't talked in a while. I hope you're doing okay and everything. We uh, we, we had to close the store down. I guess these, uh, I guess these people just don't... <clears throat> I guess they just don't want quality snow globes at reasonable prices. Yeah, we're we're packing up the wagon and and okay, we might be camping for a while, you know, having a we're gonna have a fun family getaway. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't know if I told you, but I think we may have lost a family house, you know. Um um, we we had to take out a mortgage for the store, but the the bank ended up taking the house anyways because of a, a default thing or whatever. But hey, you know, hey, we had a good run, uh, a whole month. That's a record, or it ought to be. Your mom is thinking we should just get out of the snow globe business altogether, you know, maybe try them uh, them tiger cubs or something like those guys on the Netflix. I think she might have gone plum crazy. I mean, I even caught her trying to sell reefer. I mean, where's all the oregano, Barb? Huh? I asked her, and she just shrugged. When I found out what she was doing, I almost... <sighs> but you know her. Always a wild one. Anyways, uh, we, uh, we, lo- we love you a whole bunch, kiddos, and, um... <laughs> I think we're going to get a divorce, actually. I know this is uh, kind of <laughs> sudden, but uh, she, sa- she says she's uh, leaving me for a nice crossing guard named Mike. I, I don't want to say anything, but I think he's a black guy. Ah, jeez. Anyways, try, try to give me or your mom a call sometime. Uh, we, could, we could really use the love. Just, just don't call Mike, though, okay? Yikes. Tough break for those two. <clears throat> Anyways... That's it for this episode. We're going to fade to black with another McConaughey quote from Sarah. Take it away. Man who invented the hamburger was smart. Man who invented the cheeseburger was a genius. And that wraps up today's episode. Join us next week for some more burnt orange juice. Be sure to give us a like and follow. Share us with your friends. And have a good day.